hope everyone's as, as excited as what I am to be here this morning. Um, as Pastor Rob mentioned earlier, it's Pentecost Sunday. And you know, I woke up this morning with an absolute expectation that just as the Holy Spirit fell on the church in that first moment, is here to do the same thing with us this morning. Um, and just quickly, if you don't know me, my name is Bernard. I obviously fellowship here at One Heart Church. I love being a part of this church. And just quickly, if you're tuning in online or you're listening to the podcast later down the track, um, I just want to say welcome and thank you for tuning in. Now, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, why don't we turn together to John chapter 20 and we're going to read through 19 verse through, or through to 31. So let me just get that up on my tech savvy iPhone 10. Here we go. All right, so it says in verse 19, The Sunday evening the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they are not forgiven. In verse 24, it goes on to say, One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers through them, and place my hand on the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. I've just lost my spot for one second. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, look at my hands, and put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer, but believe. My Lord, my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me, but blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And it concludes in verse 30 to 31. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miracles, miracle signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. Awesome. I just thought we'd get all the scripture out of the way early, and then we can get stuck into the Word this morning. Um, So I guess by breaking down that scripture or that passage of scripture, what I want to share on today is a topic that we're all familiar with, something that I struggle with and have dealt with in my life. And that is a little word called doubt. Do you guys know the word doubt? Who here has experienced doubt in their lives? Show, give me a show of hands. Oh, most of us. We're all normal. We're all human. You know, I'm, I'm encouraged by that this morning. But I'll move on before I run out of time to finish my word. So for those of you who are not familiar, it was in the scripture of John 20 where Thomas, the disciple of Jesus, in that moment of doubt we just read about, got his name that we probably know him better by and that is Doubting Thomas. You know the poor guy has been given a hard time for that small moment of doubt for the past 2,000 years and I think it's probably going to continue that way and he'll continue to cop the same flack for the next 2,000 years or at least until Jesus comes to set the, clear his name essentially. But I want to be real with you this morning. I sort of feel for Thomas a little bit. You know As a Christian, or sometimes unintentionally as Christians, I feel like Thomas, the poor guy, has been singled out 
as the poster child for doubt because he had that moment of doubt um, when he first heard about the resurrection of Jesus. But put yourself in Thomas's shoes for just one second. You know, just like me, me and you here today, he was a man, he was natural, he was a human being, and he was there for the burial of Jesus. You know, they, put, they buried Jesus, and then eight days later, 11 of his best friends came over and said, Thomas, you wouldn't believe it. And he's going, what, what, what? And they're going, Jesus was with us. He was here. He showed up to us. You know, it seems pretty impossible in the natural. You know, someone, it's not every day we hear from someone raising from the dead or, you know, being buried one day and coming back to life the next day. It can seem a little bit impossible in the natural. So I can understand in my physical that Thomas had that slight moment of doubt when he first heard about the resurrection of Jesus. And I guess it's also important, or what stands out to me is that because he wasn't in the room with the other disciples, his first sort of recollection of Jesus' resurrection was through what he heard from someone else. He wasn't there to experience it for himself. Now, I think in my personal life, not to offend anyone here, but I've been, unfortunately, been to a couple of um, burials or, you know, those sad moments where we go to a ceremony to celebrate someone's life and we bury them. And, there's, you know, it's a pretty sad day. It's a grieving day. And, you know, we don't enjoy being there. But not once in my life have I got a phone call eight days later by the person that we, you know, celebrate their life with and said goodbye to to say, hey, mate, I'm just here at the cemetery. I've just woken up. Can you pick me up? What? Let's go out and get a coffee. You know, that doesn't happen. It seems so unnatural and sometimes so uncomprehendable in our natural state that I think, you know, unlike Thomas, we have our perspective. We know Jesus went to the cross, died for our sins, and through the resurrection, we received the Holy Ghost. And through that, we can encounter Jesus every day because He lives within us. And if we didn't know Jesus the way that we do today, we might have also doubted. Because unlike Thomas, we have experienced God in a real way. We've seen his truth in our life, and we know the end of the story. Now, what's more unfortunate for Thomas, I believe, is that, you know, Thomas, says his reputation sort of exceeds him. Who here has friends that don't come to church or don't know the story of Jesus that well, or even the story of Thomas, to say the least? They all know of a doubting Thomas. You know, many people are familiar with what a doubting Thomas stands for. Um, and if you're a hardcore Christian here today, and you're in a rush to get to church on time, and you grabbed your hard copy of your Oxford Dictionary instead of your King James True Bible, um, you'd be able to point out two references to a doubting Thomas in that dictionary. The first one is found under T for Thomas and the second under D for doubt. Now, I'll quickly quote the Oxford Dictionary meaning of a doubting Thomas to you this morning. A doubting Thomas is someone who habitually doubts or is habitually doubtful. Now, I don't know about you, but as a follower of Jesus, I don't really want my reputation in this life to be someone who was habitually doubtful, always scared, always apprehensive. You know, I want some to be, I want my legacy to be someone that knew God, stepped into what he called me to be, and had confidence to live out the calling that he had in my life. Now, I'm not hundred percent on this topic, but you know, we we hear about Thomas's doubt in the scripture and his his name of being a habitual doubtful person. So I'm 99% sure on this after doing some very biblical and scriptural Googling last night. I even got to, got to my last resort and opened up Bing webpage and, you know, looked into his life a bit more. So I'm not sure about the accuracy of what I got. But what I found was I didn't know too much about Thomas, but what astounded me is for someone that's been labeled an, an habitual doubter, I could only find this one reference 
to where Thomas doubted Jesus in his life. So you see, I personally feel for the guy a bit. He's been a bit stitched up here. He's been labeled something through one action. You know, one action sort of pointed out his identity or for what we know him for. Anyway, I'll move on. When I read this story of Thomas, what I see is, and why I relate to this story, I guess, is what I see is Thomas was natural. He was just a man like me, like you and me here today. But in his armor of faith, there was a small crack. And in that moment when he first heard about the resurrection of Jesus, that small crack in his armor let a moment of doubt seep into his heart. When he was told the best news that could ever be told in this life that we live, he had that moment of doubt. Now, we know that what, he, what the disciples told him, what they experienced was awesome. It's life-changing. It's life-impacting. You know, God died for our sins, and through his resurrection, we received the Holy Spirit. But I still think, you know, in my natural, if I was in that same moment and my best friends told me what they experienced, I can relate to Thomas a little bit if I'm real because I and my natural would also may have, may have had that seed of doubt because what happened to Jesus is so impossible in the natural. But by knowing God and having a real life-changing encounter with Him, we know that He's a God of the impossible. He's a God that will do things that exceeds our expectations and it doesn't matter how limited or how impossible seems, things might seem in our physical, God will overcome. Now, I often feel that doubt can sometimes be misinterpreted as something wrong or, you know, a feeling that we don't desire to have. And for me personally, I sometimes feel when I get to a stage in my faith journey where I just come to God and say, God, I'm struggling with this. God, I need an encounter with you. I need a sign or a vision to deal with the things that are bothering me and keeping me from stepping into what you're calling me to do. If we see doubt as something that's wrong or incorrect, it stops us from sometimes asking God those those sort of difficult faith questions and sort of going to Him and relying on Him to expose and heal us from that situation and sort of push us more towards what He's calling us to do. Now, what I'm trying to say is that we all wrestle with doubt. Doubt's a very real thing, but through our faith in God and through turning to Him and saying, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know my shortcomings. I know that without You, I'm imperfect. And when we have enough faith to turn away from our doubt and go, Jesus, I'm giving this to you, God will meet us right there in that moment and he'll pick us up. And when our doubt whispers to us and says, maybe you can't do this, maybe you're not good enough, God comes around and goes, let's just take that away because through me and through my spirit in you, you are capable, you are loved, and I'll do things through you that you can never envision for yourself. Now, the reason I'm talking about doubt this morning is because God will meet you right where you are. We see clearly here, Thomas had a moment of doubt, but God still sort of promoted him into being a leader of the church. And just like that, God will use the doubts that we carry and that we struggle with to give, give us a real faith encounter and turn those things that we see as impossible, that we're uncertain about, into the exact things that he uses to make us a vessel to step into his calling and to encounter this world for his grace and his glory. Now, I'm not up here today to sort of clear Thomas's track record of being known as a doubter, but what I'm trying to say is when I looked at doubt in the Bible, Thomas was just one guy in a long line of faithful people who had the faith to ask faithful questions. And as a result, they sought God and through one real faith encounter with God, the trajectory of their lives was completely changed. 
you know, it might be the same for you, but it's very real in my life that faith lies in conversation. You see, it's through faith, having faith in God, that I can turn to Him, be real, be authentic, and say, God, I'm struggling with this. This fear is, my, this fear is really bothering me. I'm, I've got a little bit of doubt with this situation. But through that faith and stepping back towards God, God steps back towards us and goes, I'm here with you and I will use my strength, my power to help you out of this situation and propel you further into your calling. It's also through faith that we can trust God. You know, when we get a bit of doubt and we go to God and we say, oh, we're struggling with this particular issue or God, um, can you show me a way out of the situation? If God's answer is something like, I don't know, you're going to impact the world or something so much bigger than what we can see for ourselves, it's through faith that we can trust in God that He will equip us, He will allow His Holy Spirit to minister us so that we can be equipped and be capable to complete the, the job that He's calling us to. Now, I think Thomas's story is an awesome testimony of the reality of faith. You see, faith is not easy. It was never meant to be a smooth sailing, you know, where we're just coasting our way to eternity with God. God did all the hard work and it finished there with Him. But faith is going to be challenging because if we're not challenged in our spirit and if we're not put in situations where things are uncertain, where in our own strength we, we can navigate things, we would not have to turn to God and rely on His faith to get us through. You see, and if we didn't have to rely on God to get through certain seasons of our life, we would never have a real faith encounter with Him for Him to show us exactly who He is and what He can do through us. Now, in my life, God can show up in many ways and places that I don't necessarily expect Him to show up. You know, and it's not always the crazy faith encounter that you hear of on a podcast where it's like, I'm, pl I'm praying over this seed and all of a sudden there's a rainforest. More often than not, it's just a small prompt on my way to work or driving in the car as we do. Just God saying, Bernard, why don't you ring someone? Why don't you check in with that friend of yours and see how they're going? Why don't you pray for someone on your way to work? And other times it's something, you know, that clear spiritual conviction that where God's going, you need to pray for that person. Or why don't you share your testimony and your faith to that stranger that you saw down the street? And I don't know about you, I've got faith in God, but when I feel that conviction in my spirit, my arms still, my palms get sweaty, my heart rate jumps through the roof, because it's not something I naturally feel comfortable doing with doing. But I know through God and having faith in Him, He will equip me and He'll put the words in my mouth that that person needs to hear. Now, sometimes God will challenge us through faith to step outside of the box. But not just step outside of the box, step outside of the box in confidence, knowing that He has got the rest of the box covered. He has already set the platform for us to go and step into what He's called us to do. You know, I believe that it's important in faith on our faith journey, that our faith is always bigger than our initial moment of doubt. Because if our faith is bigger than doubt, we can turn to God and come back to Him in repentance and allow Him to do a work in us that equips us to live out our calling. Now, I've been pretty lucky. I grew up in a spiritual, faithful family. So my testimony, I think, is still pretty good. I grew up in church and I've walked with God my whole life and I feel very fortunate to have done that. Um, if anyone knows South African culture, you'll know church is very much embedded in our culture. If you're not in church on a Sunday, I don't know what you were doing, but you weren't with the it crowd. Um, so the reason I'm saying this is I've lived my whole life for a long period of time knowing God, thinking I was walking with God, 
until I had my first real faith encounter with God. Now, I was probably 16 at this time. Um, it was actually at a youth event run here in the EP called Youth Camp. Um, give me a holler if you were at a youth camp back in the day. I see some familiar faces. Um, but essentially what happened is we had this really powerful ministry and the preacher was laying hands on people. People were getting touched in the spirit. They received the gift of tongues. And it was pretty crazy. It was a wild night. But my experience was completely different. I remember standing there and seeing all the crazy things happening and going, wow, that's awesome. I want to be a part of that. And I remember standing there praying, and I snuck my way up to the front, you know, hands up, pray for me. Preacher walked past, moved down a bit more, <laughs> waiting for my turn, seeking that encounter. But after he prayed for me, initially there was nothing. So I found myself back at the back of the room, and I sort of sat down, and all of a sudden, in that moment where I wasn't expecting it, this undescribable overwhelming sense of peace came over me you know in that moment there was nothing but peace I could see the chaos happening but I couldn't hear anything and I shared earlier I still doubted in that moment I sort of sat down and I thought maybe is this God or am I just tired maybe I'm just tired but in that moment of doubt out of nowhere God spoke to me twice very gently and he said I am with you I'm with you now, the reason I'm sharing this with you this morning is that everyone needs a faith encounter. Because through a faith encounter, we can develop enough faith to overcome our doubts, to overcome our shortcomings, and know and live confidently, or live in confidence that God is working within our lives, He's equipping us, He's constantly with us, and it doesn't matter if our walk looks the same as the person next to us, or if the things that we're doing doesn't seem as big as what the person next to us is doing, all that matters is that our eyes are focused on Jesus and we're coming to Him and we're going, God, use me and I'll do whatever it is you've called me to do knowing that you've called me and knowing that you'll equip me. You see, God's going to always give our calling and build our calling gradually. If we can show Him that we're faithful with sharing our testimony to that person down the street, He will gradually call you into stepping into something bigger and bigger into something and a calling that will ex exceed your expectation in this life. Now, the awesome thing about bringing our doubts and fears to God is that when we come to Him in faith with our fears, our doubts, our worries, the outcome of that faith decision and faith encounter is completely opposite to what we expect in the natural. You see, in the natural, when me and you experience faith or doubt, sorry, doubt, worry, fears, concerns, we start telling ourselves in our mind, I'm not good enough. I'm not equipped for this. Maybe I won't step out because I'll probably fail. But God takes that in a moment of faith and says, you are loved, you are, you are equipped, you are capable, and through me, I will equip you, I will empower you to step into those things that you're scared to do. You see, God will use our doubts to become or the things that we're so apprehensive about or the things that we consider impossible to become the very reality that we live through our faith. Now, in our message this morning, I'm doing my best to stand up for Thomas. No, I'm not trying to clear Thomas's name, but I still believe that he was a little bit hard done by. A one moment of doubt, and he's been labeled a doubting Thomas for the last 2,000 years. That's pretty stiff. Now, imagine if Thomas was alive today and Jesus' resurrection happened last weekend. I think if I put myself in that situation and maybe I'm lucky enough to be one of the 12 disciples, if Jesus appeared to me, I would have grabbed my iPhone posed and taking the biggest selfie, the biggest smile on my face, maybe my hand even in that wound in his side, 
and I would have gone straight to Instagram like we do today and said, hashtag Jesus is alive. Now, the funny thing about that is, for poor Thomas, his friends probably would have FaceTimed him or tagged him in that photo, and he might have had that real encounter, seeing Jesus resurrected in that moment, rather than hearing it as a second-hand account, which might have stopped his you know, label of doubting Thomas, but we'll never know. I'll move on anyway. Um, what I'm getting to is, in my perspective, Thomas was exactly the same as the other disciples. The only difference is that we read in the scripture is he was eight days late. He wasn't in the room. But in all of that, that encounter with Jesus the, disciple had, the disciples had when he was first resurrected was just as important for them as it was for Thomas. You see, the scripture explains that their faith only manifested what once God made himself known to them. You see, it can be the same for you and me in our own lives. It's not until we let God speak into those dark corners of our our hearts, those locked doors that we let no one into, and allow His Spirit to come in and minister and restore those areas that we can completely let go of our doubts, overcome our physical fears, our worry and our anxiety, and come to Jesus and step freely into the resurrecting power that He bought for you and me by going to the cross. Now, I'm getting to the end of my message So if you're taking notes, the main point I'm making today is we all need a faith encounter with God. You see, a second-hand Jesus or a second-hand revelation of God who is to you personally or to me personally will never be enough to create a faith that overcomes doubt. You see, it'll never be enough to to create a faith within us that goes, God, even though I am uncertain of where you're taking me, I don't know where I'm going, I will trust you and I'll keep moving forward because I know you're walking with me in this moment and you're with me every step of the way. And as I start wrapping up my message this morning, I'm sure like many of you here today, or definitely me, I have felt like a doubting Thomas at times in my life. You know, I have failed to see God's hand in some situations and out of my natural, I've held back when I should have turned to God and said, God, I know I'm not perfect, but use me. Because God knows us. He made us intricately. He knows of our weaknesses. He knows that you and I are different from each other. And He knows that in our human nature, we all desire a first-hand encounter. We like to see things happen. We like to feel things happen. And because of that, Jesus went through the, to the, He sort of went to the extent of sending His one and only Son to the cross to show us first-handedly His unconditional love for us. You see, Jesus also died on the cross to carry our sins. But in that moment, God sent His Holy Spirit down to us so that we can have direct relationship with God. We can live and encounter God every day and in each and every step of the encounter that we have with Him. Now, John 20, 23 says, As the Father sends me, I send you. What God is doing is here is He's calling you and I to come to Him with our doubts, our anxiety, our fears. And let Him transform those doubts, those anxieties through faith into something for someone else. You see, God wants wants us to lay those things down to Him and build our faith. So when we share our testimony with someone else, when we sweaty palmed, heart rate high, share what God has done in our life with someone else, what happens in that moment? If someone doesn't just hear the good story we're telling or the words that we're sharing with them, but what happens is through that moment, the person that we're sharing our testimony with feels and has a direct encounter with God 
a direct encounter with the Holy Spirit that's living through your heart in that moment. Now, the way that we as Christians serve our community, love on people who are hurting, love the lost, or stand with those who are doing it tough in life, is only a physical evidence or outworking of the work Jesus did through that one faith encounter that we had with Him. Now, what I'm saying is here is that, you know, through a faith encounter, God will do an internal working in you so that the evidence and the effect of that can be seen on the outside of you. And as I close this morning, I want to encourage you with one last thing. God will no doubtably use your doubt to awaken, to stir up the calling He's got for you and to set you onto a path of life that you'd never envisioned for yourself. Because it's through a faith encounter, a real personal encounter with God, that He will transform you, equip you into a vessel so that you can become the point of call for someone to have their first faith encounter with God. See, God calls us to be His disciples and He calls us to have an impact for His kingdom on this earth. We are, we are made to reach the lost. And it's through faith and a faith encounter, God will use you, equip you to be that point of contact and be that encounter in someone else's life. You see, faith, our faith is not just limited to what we do in our own lives, but our faith is meant to be shared. We're meant to pray for each other and stand with each other to continually have an impact for God, for the kingdom of God on this earth. So as we finish today, I just want to close our eyes in prayer. And Lord, I just thank you, Father, that we can come together on a day of Pentecost Sunday, that you are here, that your spirit is still alive and still breathing for tongues of fire onto everyone here today, Lord. Lord, I thank you that we can come to you in our moment of doubt, our moment of uncertainty, Lord, knowing that you'll carry us through that space, Lord, knowing that it doesn't matter what our situation looks like, you will meet us in the middle of our storm. And through you and through the Holy Spirit, Lord, you'll equip us, propel us into having an impact for you in this place, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you've got a calling for each of one of us, and I thank you that you are with us. Amen.